It's Özlem Özkan, and this is Bridging, a podcast which will take you on a bridge to somewhere else, sometimes somewhere familiar, and sometimes somewhere new. The coming episodes, I will be interviewing people across the world, people who not only have experience with cultural diversity, but are culturally diverse people. They are from the US, Morocco, Netherlands, Venezuela, France, Mexico, Turkey, Denmark, Spain, Germany, and Curaçao. While some of them grew up with two cultures, some of them moved to another country later on in life. Sometimes their curiosity and instinct led them to the right country, and sometimes it was their parents. Adventure, confusion, and time by time loneliness made them evolve and build strength. Sometimes it took only one person to cut their judgments into ribbons. Some were called Frenchie in high school. Some took a totally different direction than anyone in the family. Some chose to build a life based on their curiosity instead of building a resume. Some left a big ocean behind and they all learned how to move ahead in life. And getting challenged wasn't always easy, yet it was a good thing, because they got to know themselves. They're all different and unique, yet they all share something common, their unique superpower, created as a byproduct of their life moving between cultures, nations, and sometimes religions. In the middle of a global pandemic, we will go to a country which is in a political and humanitarian crisis for more than 21 years, Venezuela. My guest is Eva Cristina Perez Ramos. She was born and raised in Caracas. She grew up with big appreciation for some basic needs which are often taken for granted in the West such as life security, food and water. Her appreciation for those basic needs and freedom in her life started expanding even more when she moved to Denmark, China and Spain. Her experiences in Venezuela and her viewpoint of the global pandemic might blow your mind, make you find appreciation in little things in life. Here's a very special viewpoint of a strong woman who believes that perfection does not exist for a reason. Hola Eva, bienvenidos. Hello. Welcome to Bridging, it's really nice having you here. I'm really, really excited to join this new bridge that you're starting to to build. Thank you so much, thank you so much. No, and I wanted to also to congratulate you because I know um, it takes a lot of courage to push yourself to do something new. And I really admire that you're doing this. Thank you so much. Let's just start with Venezuela. You know, Venezuela, a country in South America, it uh, used to be the wealthiest country in South America. And, you know, it has the largest proven oil reserves. Uh, yet there's a high inflation and, uh, you know, the minimum wages, they increase and decrease. Uh, it's, you know, it's very volatile. 
uh, and you know uh, the people that I have met from Venezuela for when I you know travel and especially in the US they are very warm people you know they they are very easy to talk to get along with and I think also they are known with the one of the most beautiful women in the world the Venezuelan <laughs> women yes and you know and we hear a lot in the media about Venezuela but it is really interesting as a Venezuelan person, you, you were born and raised there. You lived there till you were 26 years old. There, there are a lot of resources like books and all, but you know, what we are just getting pushed from new media, you know, there's a lot of going on political wise. And how yeah. would you enlighten us? For, if you can use few keywords, for example, about Venezuelan people. Well, for me, explaining about, well, about Venezuelan people, it's it's easy, but explaining the situation in Venezuela for me has been very complicated because okay. um, first uh, we're well we're going through through a, through a humanitarian and political crisis of more than twenty one years, and saying twenty one years it's fast. Oh yeah, twenty one years, but when you think about it, twenty one years is a lot. My my best example it's when I think about my sister. She's twenty two. That's the only thing she has lived. Can you imagine 22 years just seeing the same? And thank God she had had the possibility to travel around and she knows uh, because she knows, of course, how, how it's life uh, around the world. But a lot of people don't have that possibility. They have been 22 years thinking that that's life. Can you remember the shift when the political system in Venezuela started changing? Like what changed it also in the streets and the society? What happened exactly? Yeah, a, a lot of things happened. A lot of things happened. Yeah, I just I remember that that one day the power we all had power, let's say, a power in, in terms of what do you want to do with your with your future? Uh, what do you want to do with your business? Uh, yeah, you can have more power to buy things whenever you want and that slowly start changing. Uh, but that's I think that was the trick from from the dictatorship that that they did things slowly so you could get used to it. You know, one day uh, I don't know couldn't have water the seven days of the week, and then happened one year and then you got used to it. Oh my god! And you start to appreciate it. Okay, I have six days where I have water. So they it's a mentally a mental I don't know how to explain it, but it's so slow that people got used to it and then you just uh, appreciate the things that you did have and you don't focus on the things you didn't and and yeah of course I saw a lot of tremendous uh, change even though I'm Venezuelan for me it's hard to to keep updated of the things that are happening because it's completely different to to see in the news than living in, in first hand an example that it's perfect for that it's a, a year ago we, we experienced a total shutdown of electricity for a month any Venezuelan had power in their in their houses yeah any any for a month so all the people abroad couldn't talk to their families we, we didn't knew how they were and and just imagine yourself living for a month with your food in the fridge that you cannot open the fridge because it's 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 off with no electricity at all and, and this was regardless of your financial wealth so everyone regardless everyone every venezuelan had this and we still don't know why that happened that's the, the, the worst thing. There's no explanation. So, of course, my mom or my friends that are living in Venezuela, when they told me their experience, I could understand what they were going through. But it's impossible for me to tell you that I was understanding it, actually, 
because it's not the same when you're reading in the news or when you hear it by phone than when you are there. There's so many things that happen that it's incredible to to feel related. And and that's something for me, it's so complicated to explain the situation in Venezuela for European people or for people all over the world, even though they try to say that it, they understand it, it's so hard to actually understand it because we're not used to those things. Yeah. So you, even as a Venezuelan, uh, have difficulties to understand it. So what would you expect from someone outside of Venezuela, only the reading books or getting news from the media? It's hard, of course. Or on it's social hard. media. Right. So what do you think the biggest prejudices are outside of Venezuela, about Venezuela? Well, I think since we were at a, at a certain point, we were a wealthy country. Mm -hmm. People, and there is not so much information outside because it's completely centralized uh, through the, of the government. They, they only show what they want people to know. It's completely in their hands. So there is not a lot of information around the world. It's getting better, but it's not the, the, the whole overview. Um, because I have to say, for people in Venezuela, they don't have all the information either because it's really centralized. They don't know, they don't have the whole overview of the country because the government doesn't communicate it properly. So imagine for people outside, it's, it's the, the, the information comes in really small pieces. But I think that happens to any country or any culture. I think right. people, before knowing the country or the reality, you can have a lot of, of, of opinions. I remember when I moved to China, everybody was, be careful with Chinese people. Well, and right now with the coronavirus, I think we'll be worst. And everybody will say that all Chinese people, I don't know, are, are like this or like that. And I have to say, I have the best experience in my life in China. I loved Chinese people. Yeah. And that's something that we need to work on because we, you cannot, yeah, have an opinion before trying it. Going, you know, back to this situation, like I'm really curious to hear. So when living in Venezuela for you, you were in, in the country. So from one day to another day, the electricity was just gone and you didn't know anything about it. Or was there information provided or did it just happen like in one moment? It happened. It happened in a moment. Yeah, there was no information. Of course, you always know that the country is getting worse and getting worse because it's, it's obvious that the, the dictatorship and the people in the government are not making things good and all right, and they have their way of doing things, and you already know how they the way of working. But yeah, it's, they they don't tell you one day. Oh, you know what? You won't you won't have uh, electricity. No, that happens in a regular basis. And I I have, for the first time in my life since I was living abroad, when this coronavirus thing happened, well, with right. all this crisis of the coronavirus, I felt okay. First in my first time in my life, I'm gonna be feeling the same thing than my family in Venezuela. Because all of us needs to be in our houses because yes. we cannot go outside for the virus. We all need to do long queues to go to the supermarket. The same that happens in Venezuela for the past 21 years. Before coronavirus, uh, you cannot have the power. Well, and we have to learn to live with the anxiety and the uncertainty of the, that you don't know what will happen to your future. And that's something that happens to any Venezuelan because they don't know if the next day, how the next day will be. And, and I said, okay, we're living the same, but unfortunately we weren't, we weren't living the same because for Venezuelans, maybe for Europe, this was just a time frame. Well, we, we still don't know when this will get over, but we know maybe it will get over. And the reasons why we're locked down in our houses 
it's because there is a virus. But in Venezuela, people get locked in their houses because there is insecurity. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you some uh, easy notes. Uh, that 1,500 people uh, uh, died daily in Venezuela. That's more than 500,000 people in the year. And they die by what? They die, do they Insecurity. get killed? Yeah, killed. Insecurity. So people stay in their houses, in their homes, not because of a virus. They stay in their homes. They have to go back to their houses really early because uh, there is a, a huge insecurity around the, the country. Um, regarding the queues, yeah, we're doing here queues because uh, in the, going to go to buy our groceries uh, and there is long queues. But when you enter to the groceries, you have the possibility to buy anything you want. You have all in the Ma- brands. In Europe, you mean? In Madrid, in Europe? Yeah, in Europe. Yeah. Venezuelans does that every in a daily basis. They have to do long queues longer than the ones we're doing here right now. And when they go and they arrive to the supermarket, they cannot pick different brands or no, they have to buy what they find. Right. If they can't. Yes. Because th- that's another easy note. A family of four need 77 minimum wage jobs to afford their monthly food expenses. Only food. I'm not talking here about electricity or any other thing. Only food. They need 77 minimum wage to buy it. Um, and the minimum wage in Venezuela, it's around $3. $3. Monthly, <laughs> monthly, monthly. Well, they need 77 times those $3. That's that they need $236 to buy the food for a month. Okay. Only food. We're not talking about other expenses. So right, can you imagine right. where people need to choose what they will buy for the month? Because of course it's impossible. The, 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 the numbers that I'm telling you, it's hard to believe, but it's true. Of course, because I'm telling you, you all, all these things, it's really hard for people to get really to get the proper uh, food and, and and nutrition. And of course, more than t- 10 million of Venezuelans suffer of malnutrition because they're not able to to buy. Uh, and and Venezuela, it's a country of 29 million people. It's a lot of people that are going through malnutrition. And of course, that 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 gave Venezuela the the fourth a largest food crisis in the world to the United Nation of, of World Food Program. So we're the fourth country in that in that sense. So actually, you know, with the coronavirus, people uh, experience, uh, you know, heavy circumstances. It really depends also of the country, which European country, the States, the South America, or the parts of the world. And, uh, you know, it is heavy. I don't want to say it is less heavy than... Venezuela yeah no, of course every what, heavy, what, everybody what, has their problems right but what you are saying you know the minimum wage being three dollar a month and they need 77 times more than three dollars to uh, buy food they have lived in heavy circumstances for 21 22 years you know and this is only the food part right this is only the minimum wage there are yeah, of course yeah. other things going on like security um a lot of other stuff which I would not have any understanding of. And you also said as in Venezuela and having experience, you also don't know always all what's happening there. Did you ever feel when you were living in Venezuela four or five years ago, before the Corona crisis, let's say, ever Mm -hmm. unequal to the other parts of the world? 
medicines, the medicines, hospital, electricity, water. Yeah, there's a lot of problems. Of course, you feel unequal and, and when you live in Venezuela and, and because you could see that the country is not evolving as the rest of the world is. Well, I'm saying this is the coronavirus is the perfect example. We thought, I thought that we were going to go, go through the same and it's not the same. The, 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 our problems during the coronavirus are completely different than the problems they're struggling in Venezuela. Uh, so of course you feel unequal. Do you feel like, you know, some of the problems that we are facing during the coronavirus, the COVID-19, um, that they are luxury problems? Like for example, oh, waiting for sure. in the queue for the supermarket to buy food and you can actually most, I would say for the Netherlands at least, I live in Amsterdam of course now, but you know, some of the countries, the last uh, few days ago, I saw that people in uh, Africa, in one of the countries in Africa, they had to wait in a very long line of kilometers to get food for free because they did not have any food. But in Europe, you know, we, we complain sometimes. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. Yes, totally. But uh, yeah, all that you were saying about the, the luxuries when, when you uh, are living abroad, it's completely, it's completely true. Uh, and that's, that's something that, that we need to learn from because when you, everything is perfect in a way, you, get, you take it for granted. Stop appreciating uh, what you have. Right. And that's something that I feel, let's say, lucky in a way when, when I talk to people in Venezuela and they tell me their, their experience it's just like a wake-up call for me to say hey but don't complain mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. are, are, are are having a, a tougher situation so right here in, in spain we will start uh, maybe soon uh, going back to work and we, we're not able to use public transportation but not because it doesn't work as in venezuela just because we in order to stop the the virus uh, this, this the virus to spread um, and but there is a solution you go walking and nothing happens but in venezuela besides the coronavirus they, they right now don't have any gas it's, mm -hmm. nobody can have gas in their in their cars so people are not able to to go anywhere you, they cannot go walking <laughs> because it's insecurity actually it really also depends of uh, from which angle you are looking at the situation what kind of experience you are having and you're looking at the situation i remember my dad you know he came from a small village from turkey uh, he used to say when I was complaining in Alkmaar, where I grew up uh, in the Netherlands, uh, I said like, oh, it's snowing. I don't want to, you know, go in the bus to school and, you know, it's cold, this and that. You know, I was like you know, this spoiled little child. Yeah, yeah. And, he said, and he said to me when it was snowing, I couldn't go to school because, you know, we didn't have a bus. I didn't have a bike. I didn't have anything. And the snow was really one, two meters in the village that I was living. And I wanted to go to school, but I was like, mm, it's cold. It's this. And yeah, yeah, yeah. he was looking from another angle because he went through an experience which made him see and appreciate actually things that totally. he got. So, and then, you know, after Venezuela, you know, you, you live there, uh, you're born and raised, of course, in Caracas, and then uh, you moved to Denmark. What was your initial <laughs> yeah. drive? We met there in Denmark. What was your initial yes. drive to move to Denmark, to leave Caracas actually for two years, but now you ended up for four years being in abroad. You are not living back in your country. What was your drive to move to Europe, to Denmark? Well, that's a funny story because uh, I had the chance to travel to Denmark 
years before uh, I moved. And because my husband's uh, cousin uh, used to, to live there. So we, we had the opportunity to travel to Europe and he asked, he asked me if I wanted to visit Monica, his cousin. And of course I said, yes. So we arrived to Denmark. We went only for a weekend. I remember we arrived, I think it was a Friday and we left on Monday. You know, on Sundays, everything is closed. So we didn't have much time to experience the city that, that much. And I remember when, when, we, when we left, Miguel asked me, Miguel is my husband. He asked me, did you like Denmark? And I said, don't tell Monica, but we'll, we're, but we're not coming back. I think it's fine for me. I already met Denmark. It's nice, but I'm not coming back to this country. It's, it's enough. <laughs> and he says, yeah, I agree. Okay, perfect. Then he, Monica, the cousin, I, I didn't knew her that much. But during that time, we really connect and we became really close friends. She was working in fashion in, in bestseller in, in Denmark. And I was working in fashion in Venezuela. So we had that thing in common. And she knew because in Venezuela, I was happy. I was surrounded by, through my, with my family, my friends. I really enjoyed my, my country, even, even though all, of all the things that we were uh, having, the crisis that we were having, I was happy. But I professionally felt that I needed something more because uh, all my experience was based in fashion and fashion it's not that developed in my country so i thought i needed something else i wanted to see uh, how the fashion business was in other places in, in in the world and denmark is one of the you know one of the places to really be for fashion it is you know there are a lot exactly. of very good designers in denmark wow incredible so monica told me you know what there is this uh, internationals program you should join and I didn't want to be rude to her because for me, that was a decision in my head that Denmark was not my, my type of country. So I didn't want Why to not? tell her Why no, because I, because I was judging at that time, what we just talked about in, in the beginning. I thought that I, I knew Denmark for just two days and I thought I knew the whole overview about the country. So she told me, I'll apply to this. And I didn't want it to be rude to her and telling her, no, Monica, I don't want to live where you live. So instead of saying that to her, I said, you know what? Let, let's apply because what's the worst that can happen a lot of people apply to that program they will choose me I don't think so let's do it so I did it <laughs> and things worked out so smoothly and then an interview and another interview blah 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 and I ended up in Denmark and it was so easy and the good thing about it is when I don't know if that happens also it happened to you when we applied the first interviews were really nice but the fact of being able to go to the tryout. What is a tryout? Yeah, what, what do you mean the tryout? The last uh, phase of the, of the hiring process is that they pay you your flight ticket and they bring you to, to Denmark, to the offices. And you were in the last phase, in the tryout phase, and they, uh, they you know, covered all your expenses to go to the tryout for two days to Denmark. It was the last phase of the interview. Exactly. And we get to know everybody. And it was a kind of the, the last chance for us to try and to prove that we were the right person that they should hire. I and remember that day. <laughs> really stressful. But yeah, what I was going to, I, what, I, what I wanted to tell is that for me was an amazing experience because it gave me from first hand to try the culture of the company. Mm-hmm. So when I left the tryout, I said, I want to be here. 
So it changed completely my first opinion about it. For, at the beginning, I was, oh, let's see what happens. And then afterwards, I wanted, I really wanted to, to get selected. So yeah, and, and we have to let's 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 say hi to Anders and all the people from the tri from the IBT because we we well for me it was the best experience of my life for sure. How was that for you? Like you know, uh, for me honestly, it was a little bit like surprising. I thought Denmark is very similar to the Netherlands, and but in the Netherlands, I really never met uh, the owner of the company on my interview because it is also a multinational. It has a lot of a lot of employees and then you you're at the tryout or or at the start of this international program you met the owner of the company of the family-owned company how was that for you you talked to him i was shocked i was shocked and i'm still shocked <laughs> i'm still shocked because i'm i'm living in europe i still live in europe i'm living in spain and it's completely different in denmark you can really say that there is all of us are treated as the same Yes. Uh, we're all the same we all can participate we you can talk to anybody whenever you want uh, just the fact that there is no closed doors offices we're all in the same room no matter what's your job title i think that's yes. unbelievable it's unbelievable and for me it was shocking for sure right you really also feel kind of like a recognized as a person by any person as just a person not as someone with this position or that position but as a human being i really totally, love totally. that so much there i love that and also the fact that they're so humble they're really really humble and i think not everybody's that humble in in the in the different cultures and i was shocked shocked by that that the, the how humble they were how how easygoing and and well and also the the work life balance the, the importance that they give uh, to people to to be with their families and mm -hmm. and that there is no need to work for so many hours just to make their job done. Yeah, but it, for me it was shocking when I was in my first week in, in Denmark that I had to stay a little bit longer. We finished at four normally and and I stayed until 5.30 or six. And the director of the company saw me and asked me, Eva, what, what are you doing here? And I was like, really proud no i'm working a little bit more because i didn't finish my things and he was like no 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 no. let me explain how things are in here if you have to work till four you leave at four because if you couldn't finish what you had to do in the hours it means that you need to be better on that because that's the hours that you have in here it's not about proving yourself that you're staying longer hours no no no. that's right. not that good that, that's not well seen it's better if you make your job done in the mm. hours that we're giving to you in here in Spain, it's completely different. The, the longer you stay in your, in your office, the better you are. Okay. And the better you are in a way, like, you know, does it, it looks like you're better because you're making exactly. long hours, you're busy. Like, you know, it's kind of also a hype in the world, right? When you ask people during the work, you know, work, yeah, I'm busy, 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 busy. It looks like a very good thing. And even on the weekends, you know, we are busy with social activities. You are busy. No time for just... I'm doing nothing. You know, when people sometimes even ask me, what are your plans for the weekend? Nothing. And I, you know, initially I felt it's like, fine. Oh my God, I need to have something because everyone has no, something. No. I need to have something. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. And there is no need to be proving yourself to anybody. Right. So I, I was amazed by that. And I love that. And I have to say that now living in Europe, in Spain, it's a struggle for me, not having that, that, 
that, that, that I had in, in Denmark, the freedom of your time and your choices. Are there any challenges you have faced in Denmark? For sure. I remember also one of my first things when I arrived to, to the first day in my office, I was going to meet all these new people. And I remember that I, in Venezuela, we're really used to when you know somebody, even though you don't, that you don't know it, know him, know them, uh, you just hug them as, as a hi. So I remember when I arrived to my first day in, in Denmark, I start <laughs> hugging, <laughs> hugging everybody. Hello, hello, hello. And that people were shocked. You could see their faces and their, their, their body just cold because they were shocked that this girl was just hugging everybody without yeah. not knowing them properly. Right. And I felt that and I said, oh my God, I'm crazy. I know that I shouldn't do this anymore. But instead of doing that, I said, you know what? No, I'm going to explain them that for me, a hug, it's important. So I started to every day telling them as a joke, but you know, making my, my argument like, okay, we should hug each other uh, more. For me, that's important. You, you know that you are my family because awesome, you can understand this. For us, our life was working and going to the mm -hmm. house, working and going to the house. So that's the people you saw the most. So for yes. me, for me, they were family. Yes. And I have, I can proudly say that the, and I, I, when I think about it, I can cry that the last in Denmark, when, when I was leaving and they told me, thank you for, for showing us this. You should have more. Actually, one of the nicest thing is like, you brought something from your culture back in that company. And I know, you know, I keep saying, I think maybe I'm very pro bestseller. I love the company I have worked for. But also one of the aims of this talent program was bringing different people from different cultures in this company yeah. and looking at things from different angles, not being fixed on one point, one viewpoint and saying this is the right thing. Now, Eva has something also to bring from Venezuela or uh, Zeynep from Turkey has also to bring something here. Kirsten from Germany has also something to say because that's also important because, you know, it was at the end a multinational company which was serving different parts of the world. And without really understanding and knowing the people, how would you connect to your customers at the end? It's nice. I really like the, the, the hug that you brought. It was amazing. And it was a challenge for both sides. For us, as the new ones in the, com in the company, bringing something new from our culture and also for them to adapt to a new, a totally new culture. And, and it was really, it's, it's nice to see the, the development, how, how we at the end managed to, to respect both cultures and to, and to find the balance in what's important for them and what's important for me. And they understood that for me, talking and hugging and, and being close together was, was important. But of course it was tough. It was tough. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was tough. You know, I, I remember that too. Like, you know, you, you, you came to, from Venezuela and you know, most of your friends and family, maybe also even they had like, you know, she has a cool life. She lives abroad in Denmark. You know, they had, they might have this idea of the ideal world life you're living. But were there also any, I'm sure that there were setbacks. Yeah, and, and not only with Danish people, also with, with all the people that we were starting to meet. For me, it was brand new information, all of you guys. Mm -hmm. I didn't knew, I knew about Turkey, but I didn't know in depth what, what country it was. Uh, the, my best example is, is it was, it's my roommate, well, my ex-roommate, Helena. I love her. She's my, one of my best friends and is the best thing that happened for me in Denmark. 
but at the beginning it was tough for us we were just she's from ireland she's irish and yeah for us i remember the first day we met and they told us you you two are gonna be roommates this is your apartment be friends and it was like let me google what how are people in, in ireland what's ireland what's ireland and i i'm sure she was doing the same from venezuela because we didn't knew that much from our countries so we had to to build and start getting to know each other getting to see what was uh, what helena liked and what eva liked and that's why i wanted to mention helena because she knows that for me she was someone really really special because we managed to build our relationship uh, through respect uh, through getting to know each other and 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 it wasn't easy of course it wasn't easy i was completely i was a completely different culture than she the one she was used to and and the same happened to to me with her and and of course that was a, a struggle but that was the the good thing that we managed to to make it happen and survive and now we're really close what are the, what do you think that are the most key things to really establish good relationships when you are living in a totally different culture and country than your own well trying not to judge and trying to put in their shoes for a moment helena made a huge effort i'm sure to actually understand what i was going through in my country and and the days that i was not happy she could know and already know and already tell that it was because of something and instead of saying to me oh my god you're why are you mad or why are you so dramatic with your country no not at all she was just supporting and and she she put all the effort to understand the situation in depth okay and did you did you have also days that you felt like now i just want to go back to my country i don't want to live here anymore Oof. well a lot of course a lot a lot a lot and i'm so happy that i didn't because it feels so good to to say i did it mm. I, i i managed to survive it feels amazing okay that really human strong emotions like hey i just mm. did it is there is there any yeah, other yeah, reason yeah. what kept you going even at days that you really felt oh my god now i just want to get out of here yes it kept me going that that the fact that i knew that what i was experiencing better than that that what it could have been being experiencing in my country i mean i put it as a balance like of course there are bad things and not everything is perfect here in denmark mm -hmm. but the positive things are, are more are way more so so i need to to keep going and because i was learning so much and not only work-wise mm -hmm. personal wise mm -hmm. yeah i think was incredible the the, the experience in in those sense and i'm i feel that i'm a completely different person after denmark i don't know if you feel the same way yes definitely definitely it was actually for me also a time that i really got to know myself on another dimension much 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 better And sometimes there was a totally. lot of de denial there, like hey, maybe I'm not social, maybe I'm this, maybe I'm that. Da, 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 da. And then I saw, I'm really judgmental. That's what's happening here. That's why this all <laughs> these hap things happen. And I thought I'm not that, I'm not this. So you know, while being in uh, Denmark, um, uh, while working a bestseller, Eva, you got to send to China and Myanmar. You you did their sourcing in a sourcing office for bestseller 
And then, you know, after that, uh, we graduated, we finished the talent program in uh, two years of time, and then you got married and you moved together with your husband to Spain, a uh, Spanish-speaking country, like the same language as you grew up with, you learned it as your yeah. language. How would you say all these experiences, the connections with different people, countries living there, made you as a person well first it gives you like a small a little power let's say of not being um, nervous of trying a new place mm. to live mm. you know you, you that 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 fear that you can have when you move abroad you kind of lose it because you know that in everywhere uh, there is good people and there is something that you could learn from from that new place and thanks to the fact that i have had the possibility to to live in different countries you have like a more um, an easy way to to adapt to to new things right because you know that the the tough path the tough part will will pass yes because you have been through the experience the tough uh, the tough part will pass everything passes everything passes and and something good will will happen from that and and something that i try to remember every day is that if if the tough pass, if the if the tough part persists, mm -hmm. it's because there is something that you didn't learn from it. Ah, can you repeat that one more time? I will just write <laughs> this in my notebook. <laughs> you know that sometimes you, it happens. For example, uh, let's say uh, you have a, a really tough uh, boss. Uh, you have a really tough boss in, in while well, you were living in Turkey, and then. You again, when you move to Denmark, you already you also had a really tough uh, boss. Mm -hmm. And instead of saying, "Oh my God, why, why he's like that?" No, no, no. You have to change it. Maybe that's happening to you because there is something you need to learn from yes. him. Yes. And that's why this situation is coming uh, again and again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, again, again. So it's kind of the universe brings it to you because it wants you to learn something here. Yeah, that's the way I see it. I don't know if it's if it's uh, I like it a lot. true, but that's my it's your truth. <laughs> that's my survival you know? kit. It's your truth, and yeah, it's your truth. And if it's your, if if it's your survival kit, it's beautiful. But I I really like it a lot. I actually remember one occasion when living in Denmark, I had this manager, and uh, our personalities were uh, not really matching each other. And I had a yeah. lot of difficulties to connect with her, to talk to her. You know, I was a very temperamental person. So she was, in my opinion. And I remember talking to the HR, to Louisa Lindekilde, and I said, you know, I don't agree with her. I just, I just don't agree with her. And I was so fixed in my opinion that she was not right, but I was right. And then, you know, coming mm -hmm. back home, I started to meditate and I was like, okay. I'm going to say sorry to her and I'm going to mean it. I'm not going to sorry say sorry for the sake of yeah, that's sorry. Different. I'm going to mean it. And I'm going to try yeah. to look at it from her viewpoint and let's see what happens then. And then something magical happened. You know, I just went to her and we, we started working very good together. But after a short time, maybe even a few weeks, I got uh, promoted to another country. So I was responsible for Germany. 
but yet I had to go through that situation with her in order to really put my For ego sure. down because my ego was super high. I was like, no, I'm right. But I had to learn there. And it was, a, you know, I really like what you're saying. If you haven't had a tough situation, you haven't learned anything. That's what you said, right? Yeah, well, if that situation comes and comes in a moment in your life, it's because there is something else you need to learn. Maybe you didn't learn enough yes. when it happened the first time. Yes. Maybe there is something more that you need to learn. Yes, I really love it. It's really nice. So <laughs> is there something in the past that you have judged about, you know, any country, cultures, and then you change your view about it these days? Yes, and, and yes, totally. Where I, I mentioned it before a little bit, but let's, let's go in more into details. When I decided to move to Denmark, the only thing I knew was that it was the happiest country in the world. And as I said, I imagine happy people smiling every time, dancing, screaming, a lot of music, beautiful <laughs> colors. Woo, I thought it was, uh, yeah. <laughs> that for me was the happiest country in the world. I arrived and it was nothing like that. People were distant in their way. That doesn't mean that they, they didn't, they weren't nice. Not at all. It's what they were used to. Right. They were distant. They were raised that way. They don't, they are not loud. There's not much music in the streets um, and not at all. And, and what I liked about that is that you imagine yourself that there is always a perfect world somewhere. Mm -hmm. So for me, the perfect world was in Denmark because that's what, that's what Google says. Mm -hmm. And then you realize that perfection doesn't exist because even though, I, I, let me tell you this example, I, maybe I think you will understand me. I have to say that the offices and the canteen that we had in bestseller was perfection. Yes. I think we won't be able to see something better than that in our lives. It's, it comes from a movie. But at some point, you have to tell me, when you ate that lunch for, I don't know, for more than a year, yes. you start to complain about the food, right? Let's just make it clear for the listeners. We had like a, a you know, a starter. Every day we had a starter. We had a main course. Every day we had a dessert. You know, and there was a salad bar, there was a bread bar, there were different things. And we were, it was like Christmas Day every single day, 365 days a year, Christmas Day food. It was amazing, unbelievable. I was taking pictures at the beginning of all every dish because I was amazed. But then you come to a point where you take those things for granted and you start to complain. Mm. And for me, that was such a good learning to understand that, hey, it's, there is no perfect world. It's on you to make it perfect. Right. And sometimes I feel that the world is not perfect for a reason, because if everything will be perfect, we wouldn't have the chance to appreciate things mm. because you, would get, you will get used to everything. And that was something that I learned in Denmark, in Denmark, that I thought that everything was perfect. And when you see them in a way, all the things that were perfect for me, for them were just things. They, were, they, they got used to it. Oh, yeah. They told me all the time, you get so excited so constantly. Yeah. And I said, yeah, for me, that's living because I was not used to those things. And I think that's something really nice to, to have in mind, that there's no perfect world. And, and it's good that the world is not perfect because it gives you the opportunity to appreciate things even more. How do, how do you think that we can keep this excitement up? You know, that's, we, <laughs> we don't need to be like all the time, whoa, 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 nice, nice, no. nice. But, you know, these this living energy like you know like children have when a child plays yes 
it is curious. The eyes are open. You know, they look around. They want to make friends. How do you think people, especially in these Corona days, to like, can we make our excitement go up? What is the secret in you, in you as the person, the human being, Eva? Um, I think my secret is that I, I got to know me better uh, while I was in Denmark because I was living by myself mm -hmm. and, and I got to know what I really like and what I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. Take those things with me everywhere and, and be conscious that I love those, love the things, love those things. And they don't need to be uh, difficult things. I, I mean, like for me, uh, the fact of being in my couch with my cup of coffee, mm -hmm. but consciously living the moment, the moment that I sip my coffee, for me, that's a, a small hug, but I'm not drinking the coffee while I'm doing another, another thing. No, no, no. I'm conscious and active drinking my coffee. Those little things, when you adapt those little moments or you recognize the little things in life that makes you happy and you actually every day try to do them, I think it helps you to, to survive the tough moments or the moments that you're not that happy. Let's say in coronavirus, every day we have to wake up and do the same thing. But if you manage to take time to do, do the things that you enjoy doing it, then you're done. Then you, you, you go back to your day and you say, okay, I did all the things that I like. Let's say I drank, I drank my coffee. I did the exercise that I love. I read the book that I like. I watched an episode of Friends. I said, I love you to my husband. I don't know, little things, yeah. but active thinking. Because it's not the same thing to, to drink coffee while you're doing something else. Right. It's not the same. Maybe, maybe you say, like, be present and appreciate. Yeah, try to. Yeah, yeah, I try the most. Of course, I'm not perfect. And I'm not saying that I'm always happy. Right. Not at all. Yes. But that helps me in a way to, yeah. And, and also something else that it's really nice is to be grateful of what you have. Instead of complaining of, on, on what you don't have, try to remember what you really have and, and be grateful about it. Yeah. During all these movements between the countries and cultures still happening to you now yeah. what is the strength that you have built you know you already said a very important point there you said i got to know myself what is the strength you have built i think the possibility of adaptation also and and that's something that it's really hard for me because i i am a person who thought that the world was black or white mm. i mean it's this day, this way, or this way, and not at all. You you get to know that there are so many different shades uh, of colors, and they are all okay and good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and making yourself to adapt and to resign for what you think it's okay, it's complicated. But I think uh, I have I'm on that. I'm trying to to manage because I thought that the world was like Venezuela, mm -hmm. and I thought that people were like Venezuelan, and the only way of doing things were like in Venezuela, and it, I not at all. Yeah, it, it, it reminds me to um, the story of the bamboo tree and the oak tree. You know, the bamboo tree is very, you know, small, uh, tiny, it moves uh, very fast, and the oak tree is very strong, it stands there, you know. Nothing happens during the wind. During the wind, the bamboo tree will move from right to left, but the oak tree will stand there but when a hurricane comes you know something very tough the oak tree can just go down in one moment and won't go yeah. up anymore but the bamboo tree will still move a lot right left right left right left but will be standing there you know the adaptability yeah. flexibility but you know you have to adapt to, to the situations that you're having it, it's not enough to say mm, don't worry 
uh, we will figure it out later. No, no, no. There, you have to bring solutions. And and I think that's something that I also developed uh, by the fact of living in different cultures or, or also living in Venezuela, that you have to figure it out how to make things happen. Yes. Uh, and, and, and that's a strength that I think I, I developed, that there is no tomorrow or waiting. What do you think that people with a culturally diverse background um, what what is the added value that they can bring into the workforce you know in any job i think it brings i think uh, as you said all of us can bring different i think all of us brought something new to the company in, in different ways but i think what we all brought was new ways of doing things a, a democracy of the way of doing things because it happens so in in, in companies and, and and big companies that there is always a way of doing things because they are used to do it for a certain amount of time and they think that's the only way of doing it. And when you bring people from another part of the world or from, from another background, you, not only you need to, to come from another country, it can be a Danish person that worked in Lego, for example, but bringing new people to the company brings novel, newness and, 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 and new ways of doing things that I think is always good because that's, that's what uh, the customer is asking. New things new ways of communication, new, new products. And, and if it's the same people doing the same thing for the, the, whole, the whole life, the company won't be new and won't be adaptable to, to what the customer is asking. So I think it's key to bring people from all over the world. I think it's important, super important. So let me end with this last question. What is your superpower? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Um, Everyone has a superpower. I think I mentioned it. Uh, yeah, just the fact of um, trying to be positive as much as I can with 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 the things that are happening happening behind uh, near me or besides that I don't have. I don't. I don't want to show that I have the perfect life and that I'm always happy. Not at all. But I think that's my superpower to make me feel happy during the. The tough days and and then days that are not that that shining. Yeah, trying to be positive and and think uh, that if that the, the bad days will pass mm -hmm. and if they don't pass, it's because there is something you need to learn from them. Ah, <laughs> nice one. Okay, muchas gracias, Eva. Thank you so much. No, well, thank you. No, thank you also for inviting me. And and I wanted to say that uh, for me, this was not only an interview. Uh, or just join to your podcast for me was also uh, an experience to push myself to try something that I have always wanted to do. <laughs> Keep being positive because everything passes. Everything passes, even this moment. Everything. You know, it won't last forever. So thank you so much. <laughs> no, thank you. I hope to see you soon. Bridging is a podcast produced by me, Özlem Özkan. If you have enjoyed listening to Bridging, Please rate it on Apple Podcasts, subscribe, or even better, tell a friend. Your support will make a huge difference. Thank you so much for listening.